Good morning. We are glad you are here. We are glad you, you are able to worship the living God, the one and true living God with us. My wife has the announcements. Yes, I want to remind you all, it's not until July, but you need to sign up soon for our summer camp. We have a maximum of 50 spots, which may sound like a lot, but they always fill up. So we have reserved 10 spots for our church family, but we're about to release them. So if you have not signed your kids up or your grandkids or neighbor who you want to come, then please make sure that you do that. The link is on our website, or you can talk to Michelle about that to make sure you get signed up. But we do want to use this also as an outreach, so those spots will be released, and we expect to have 50 kids, which means we also need volunteers. So if you would like to volunteer, then please also talk to Michelle about that. She would love to have you one day or the whole week if you can do it, and we would love to put you to work. Also, this Thursday, many of you know that we have a small group of ladies that go into a local uh, strip club here, and we minister to them and pray with them. And so periodically, we have craft nights where you can come and hear a little bit more about this ministry and then also help us prepare the gifts that help get us in the door. So we have one of those this Thursday at 6 o'clock. We would love to have you join us and help us prepare those gifts. And then we have one more very exciting announcement. Right. Uh, excuse me, uh, Taylor and Beth, that come up, please. Mr. and Ms. Johnson. Lee, come Yay. up, their dad. Yes. All right. As you know, we've been looking for, we've had interim worship leaders for a year now. We've been looking and praying, and so have they. So God has brought Beth and Taylor to us. We are so excited they are here, not only as the worship leader, but as a family. Uh, that's We're about building a biblical community, one family at a time, and God's brought us another family. So we're so excited to have him. I know he's been getting to know some of you already. Did you guys want to say anything before we? <laughs> I'll always talk. <laughs> um, I just want to, I'm not going to vision cast right now or anything, but I just wanted to share my heart real quick. I'm a very relational person, so I fit right in with family. Um, <laughs> my charge to you guys as we... Move the Boat is a new season for us and a new season for, um, for foundations. And as we're talking about seasons right now, it's, it's fitting. But um, always remember, we're called to be the church, not go to church. And that's to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and um, we're called to, to do, and that's to serve, just like Jesus did. So um, let that be a, my first charge, you guys. We're not going to church. We're going to be the church. So. It's, so, it's, it's great to get someone new. They have new eyes, new energy. And you, you never, it's hard to get a horse to move when it's dead or lying down. You'd rather one that's just running and you have to pull back even sometimes. So I'm so glad that there's energy and excitement. With every new person, with every new part of the body of Christ, we become more complete. Amen? And we can function, do everything God's called us to do. Taylor would be more passionate about things than I am in some areas. And that is a wonderful thing. He's even actually better at worship than I am. I know it's hard to believe, but he's a part of the body that's better than I am. So we are excited to have them. Uh, Chris and Michelle, can you guys come? We are going to pray for them. Uh, Larry and Linnell, come up. We're going to pray for them and set them in. All right, here, get out, step up a little bit so we can all get around you. Up there? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Get up there. Come lay hands on them, guys. Come around here. Let's, let's pray together. Let's pray together.
thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word in Ecclesiastes 3, that you make everything beautiful in its season. In its season. Lord, I thank you for Taylor and Beth. They have been through difficult seasons, dry seasons, unclear seasons, directionless seasons, painful seasons. But Lord, as we serve you, as we stay close to you, you will make everything beautiful in its season. So we thank you for this season you have brought them here. Thank you that they're going to see the beauty and the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in their marriage, with their children, in this ministry, and in this church, Lord. You are making things beautiful in their calling and their giftings at Foundations Church and in Acadiana, Father, because it goes far beyond just these church walls. We thank you, God, for their lives. We thank you for the direction. We thank you for the grace to do what they're doing, to do it with joy, to do it with confidence in the name above all name, in Jesus' name who's called them. And everyone says, Amen and amen and amen. All right. Give them a hand as they leave. Well, I prayed seasons. That's the theme because that's what's on my mind. (laughs) We are in a series called Seasons, and it's a hot season right now. I'm going to help you guys because everyone knows it's hot and talking about how hot. I'm going to give you some encouragement here. All right. Let's look at this, these pictures. This is going to help you. The best thing about a heat wave is constantly having the illusion that you're exercising. Look, just walk if, from the back of the parking lot to the front. It was a workout. You did it. You went to, like, what have you been doing? I went to church. It was an exercise. <laughs> Look, it's not that hot, okay? <laughs> now, July, I tell my children, do not go on the road in the summer. Do not, because they, they're, they're, they're like animals. They don't want to wear shoes. I'm like, don't do that. I'm, I almost want them to just do it once to learn. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? What else we got here? You don't know what pain it is until one of these touches you in the summer. Has that happened to you? In July and you grab it and it feels like you just touched lava? <laughs> Try buckling a child in when that thing's been sitting in the sun. They will come three feet out of that car seat. <laughs> one last one here. Technology is important. Guys, keep, take care of your technology this summer, okay? Whatever you have to do, put the fans on it, whatever, because if your computer or phone goes down, it's over, okay? So take care of your technology. All right, seasons. God is a God of every season. We're in 1 Samuel. We looked at it last week. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 7 because it's all of these major changes for the people of God. We need to know that the entire chapter of Ecclesiastes says in our life we're going to have major change in seasons. It's every part of our life as we grow, as life happens. So this is where we're going to find the people of God and learn some new things from God's Word here. Let me set this up. It's been 40 years of an unhealthy season in Israel. Eli and his sons have been in leadership, and there's a a spiritual vacuum. There's no word of the Lord. There's no open visions. So the spiritual state of Israel has been sliding and declining. It's been so bad because of Hophni and Phinehas. People don't even want to go to the the tent of meetings. They don't want to go anymore. 
They don't even want to have anything to do with it because of the spiritual decline. But God is the God of seasons. He has his way in every season. He set the seasons, doesn't he? And they're going to stay according to the word of his mouth, the physical ones and the ones we live in. So the seasons are about to change, and this is, I'm just going to set this up. So it's been 40 years of a lack of spiritual leadership, but Samuel is coming into the scene and is coming to lead Israel into a new season. God brings people to lead a group of people into a new season. He did that with Moses from bondage and slavery into the promised land. They're in the promised land. They're in an unhealthy state. He's going to use Samuel to lead them into a new season. So here we go, 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 12. One more bit of information. The Ark of the Covenant has been taken by the Philistines. They are the Israelites are serving other gods, and they don't have a clear um, symbol of God's presence in their life. 1 Samuel 7, 3. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve Him only. And he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bales and the asterisks and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all of Israel at Mitzvah. Now, two things have happened. It took time for them to get ready to, to put away all the bales and all the false gods. And then they're gathering all together to have a God encounter, to encounter the Lord in a single event. So all these things have been happening and it's culminating at Mitzvah. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together all at mitzvah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. We're going to pour out our lives before you. Also a symbol of purification. And they fasted that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at mitzvah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel gathered together at mitzvah, the Lord of the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines, went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, They were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord God of Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines... Now, as Samuel, excuse me, was offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mitzvah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shin. And called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. You probably heard that word, Ebenezer. Thus far, or to this point, God has helped us. Now this is the first big move of God in Samuel's life. He's in his 20s. It's uncharted seasons for him. He's not a seasoned man. He just threw everything out there. He's like, Lord, I'm going to die right here early in my ministry if you don't come. So we see the start 
of his ministry, and we know that throughout his entire life, his long, almost 50-year ministry, not a word of his fell to the ground. That is a successful season. Oh, let's learn some things from the Word of God. How does a successful season, a better season, change happen? How do we get there? What are the mechanisms that make them happen? Let's look at verse 3. Then Samuel spoke all to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord, it's conditional, with all your hearts and put away the foreign gods of the asterisk from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you. Although they've been in bondage for over 20 years to the Philistines, he will deliver you. According to this, and according to all the Bible, there's only one way to have a new season. And it's something that is, we need to talk about more in our church. We need to talk about more in our home, more in our marriage. There's only one way. If you turn to the Lord and serve Him only, if you put away the foreign gods, that sounds a whole lot like repentance, doesn't it? Some of you called it already, didn't you? Y'all know me. That's the problem. Y'all know. You're like, I know what he's going to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some weird ones on there just to throw you guys off one day. Like, what did he say? Aardvark. What? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Number one in your notes. The gospel of repentance. That guarantees change. We need to talk about repentance, don't we, Christians? There is no change without repentance. The world needs to know that. We have... Not us. We, we stand on the word of God. But you need to know with boldness, with confidence, when you talk to anyone, I don't care if they're saved or lost or whatever, we must talk about the gospel of repentance. Amen? There is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no freedom without repentance. There is no heaven without repentance. We must talk about the gospel of repentance. And I tell you, probably a shaky need Samuel in his 20s, early 20s most probably, is standing before Israel and the elders and everyone. And he has to clear his throat and say, Oh, we're going we're gonna to change this season by the gospel of repentance. That's the way seasons change. Let's teach our children. Let's talk about it with our spouses. May the Lord give you boldness in your times of influence, whether you're at work, across the street, or 100 miles in the Gulf to proclaim the gospel of repentance. Amen? The gospel of repentance. It's the only thing that changes. We must, we must have it. This is new for this culture and this generation of people. They ain't never heard this. Yeah, what? Whoa, especially his generation, all the young people, his millennial generation, right? He's in his 20s. He's starting his ministry. They've been in bondage for over 20 years. So nobody under 30 can hardly remember anything else, right? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1. Look what it says right here. This is the way they grew up. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So not only is he preaching the gospel of repentance, he's preaching the gospel of repentance who are looking at him like an old cow at a new gate. Is this our culture we live in? It doesn't matter. Proclaim the gospel of repentance and you'll see change. 
That's what Samuel did. That's what the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel and directed him how to change Israel's season, how to make a shift in your life. The gospel of repentance. It worked right here in 1 Samuel. I tell you, it works in any culture, including 2 Corinthians 7. Now remember, 2 Corinthians was the most messed up church in all the New World, in all the New Testament. It was a mess, but God was still moving in their life. I'm talking about the culture. Corinthians, huge seafaring town, all kind of different ideologies and views and immorality and everything. 2 Corinthians 7 6 through 10. Paul writing, Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. So Titus has been hanging out in Corinth with his church and discipling them and helping them, this new church, trying to get them down the road. Verse 7, And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with, with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire and what? Well, you're just a repenting group. You're mourning your zeal for me so that I rejoice even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter. Okay, now, if you read 1 Corinthians, it's a long list of, oh, you need to repent. That's what it is. Not of I don't love you. It's I love you, but this is the truth and walk in it and repent. Truth with justice. Truth and love together. We never abandon either one. So I made you sorry with my letter. Though I did regret it, it, was, it hurt him like a father to have to correct his children. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sor- sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry, sorrow, sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss for us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Oh, let's talk about salvation. Do we want to talk about salvation? Is it, can you separate it? From repentance. No. That's what it says right there. Oh, this repentance brought salvation. We have to talk about repentance. If people aren't getting saved, there's a reason. It's repentance is what we need to be talking about. The gospel of repentance produces change. What are they repenting of? It makes it very clear. Now, remember, there are no unnecessary details in the Bible. Tell you what they were dealing with in in Israel at this time. It's so, I was reading this study and I was like, oh, well, that's the same thing we have in our culture. Baals and Asherahs. They had left the God. It wasn't that they had left God. It says you repent and serve God only. Baal, the God of weather or the God of crops. That's money. Everything in their culture functioned on the weather. You get a bumper crop, you are making money. You're in it, right? They're saying, we got a problem. You are serving money and the bottom line. Money's not bad. I want you to have jobs and raises and retirements and all those things. We don't serve that. 
Israel was serving, you know, we think about idols and we think like cavemen, dumb stuff, right? Oh, we'd never do that. But all this is, is the God of money. Baals is the God of weather, fortune, crops, money. Asheraths, that's a female God. Fertility, love, and attraction. The God of perversion. So those are the two things Israel is dealing with. Now, can that, is that in our culture? It's like, you know, you know the scripture, there's nothing new under the sun? You're like, oh, wow, there is really nothing new under the sun. It's the exact same thing. Mankind has fallen. Mankind needs a Savior. There is no way to be saved without repentance through Jesus Christ. There was no way to be saved here except coming um, to, the, to the, pe- the person of God underneath the blood. We'll get there in a minute. All right, let's keep looking here. We're in 1 Samuel. Verse 4, then the children of Israel did put away Balaam, the Balaams, and the Asterisks, and served the Lord only. Our story is about an event of a day. But getting to that place of God encounter and the change of season, it took some time, didn't it? I wonder how long it took to go throughout the whole country and do some construction, pulling down idols, redoing things, getting them out of your house. You know, that took time. Tell you about seasons. Everyone wants a change, right? I do. I just want to be 10 pounds lighter. Well, Stephen, you know what? You can't eat. Okay, I'll let y'all in on it, all right? I ate peanut butter Captain Crunch at like 10 o'clock last night. It's the best cereal in the world. Peanut butter Captain Crunch. It's the best stuff. I'm not going to get 10 pounds lighter like that. It ain't going to happen. I can't just poof, wake up and say, I want a good season. It ain't going to happen. Amen, right? Peanut butter comes to is fine. It's just 10 a.m., not 10 p.m. <laughs> we have to prep. We have to prepare our hearts. We have to work. It may take weeks. It may take months to get to that new season. And then when we've done everything we can do in the natural, say, God, I've done what I can do. Now I need you to move. I need a supernatural move to that. It's like the light switch. It's like, boom, God puts it in gear and you just go. Number two on your notes. Action follows genuine repentance. There must be an action step. There must be change in our heart, in our mind, in our words, in our time, in our checkbook, in our priorities. I got to see this a couple of weeks ago. Our two youngest kids, Zoe and Abby, five and two, both girls. They get along pretty good. Um, but, you know, kids get into it and stuff. So every five seconds, someone's screaming or something's wrong or blowing up or whatever. You know how it is, little kids. So I hear, ah! okay, go in there. So Zoe was playing too rough with Abby, and I don't know if she was twirling or something, trying to be a princess or a unicorn or something, and she fell. Ah, hurt, hurt, hurt. Hey, Zoe, what, what are you doing, love? Well, she got too close and I pushed her and da 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 I'm like, love, do you care about her? Do you love her? Yes, yes. So are you going to push her anymore? No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch out for her. I'm her older sister. Da, da, da. You know how it goes. So I go in the kitchen. I'm doing stuff or whatever. And, I, and Abby, the little baby, she quit crying, comes around the corner. 
But this time she has a bodyguard. Zoe has really repented. I mean repented. And she's walking around Abby like this. Now, it's hard to stay around a two-year-old, you know, because they're, they're two. And she's like, I'm like, babe, are you okay? What's wrong? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm keeping her safe. <laughs> change. A change in action. That's the same girl who pushed her earlier. But praise God, there was repentance, and it was true this time. Sometimes, you know, it's not. It was true. And actions Actions changed. Oh, the father was pleased. Oh, the father was pleased that day. Actions follow genuine repentance. Israel's having a great old time. It's a Jesus time. It's kumbaya. It's wonderful. Everything's great in our story. No problems. Life is going good. Oh, it's Sunday afternoon picnic with 72 degrees. Then something happens. Something happens right here. Verse 7. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mitzvah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. Oh no, we're not having this change in season. Oh no, we've been getting tribute for over 20 years. That land's been occupied by us, and that real estate's gone up. We're not leaving it. And our asterisk numbers are through the roof. They've been buying those things like crazy. We can't keep them on the shelf. We're not going to lose that income. We're not standing for this. Now, people of God, you need to understand, and you do. Number three on your notes. There is always opposition to God's new seasons. Some of you are three for three, aren't you? You're just reading my mind, aren't you? You're not even prophet. I see this, God's people, in God's place, focused on him. Not going to battle. They're all about God. But there is always forces that want to stop them from getting closer to God, to getting freedom, to fulfilling their God-given call, to fulfilling the will of God in their life. God is sovereign above all. He does not battle. He doesn't fight. He rules and reigns and always has. But we are not omniscient or omnipresent or all-powerful. We do battle. But we don't battle flesh and blood. Here they, this is more than flesh and blood. It's flesh and blood and it's demonic. I'm so glad we have a name above all names to call on. I'm so glad that we don't have opposition by ourselves. The Bible talks a lot about what opposition um, we have Let's just look at a couple of scriptures here because there's always opposition to God's new season. 1 Peter 5.8, we need to know this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. devour excuse me. The devil didn't exist only this time, only at the time of Jesus, only at the Crusades or the Dark Ages or 50 years ago. He is the adversary of God's people. We need to know that. There is a spiritual demonic force that will oppose you at times in your life, at times in your marriage, especially when a new, God wants you to do something, especially when he's, when he's getting ready to do a work in your life. There, is, there are demonic forces, and we need to be aware of that. 
It's not all the time. I can count on my hands the demonic attacks in my life. They have been overt and very clear. You usually can tell. It's not like there's a, uh, you just don't know if there's a demonic attack. It, it's overt. It's illogical. It's pressing. It's oppressive. And that's when you know it's demonic. Don't fight alone. You never do that alone. That's a group thing. You get your prayer partner, whatever, the church. That's a time when you, because he exists in darkness. You go to the light and he flees. So that's, we have a spiritual adversary. There's also a, a carnal one. In this world, James talks about this so clear in James 4, 1 through 4. Let's look at this. Where do war, wars and fights come from among you? Where does all this hostility happen? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that they war in your members? So there's a spiritual that's an outside, and then we got issues inside, right? There may be some fleshly issues. There may be an opposing ideology with someone at work or philosophy. You fight and war, you, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Oh, this is back to really what they're dealing with in Israel so many times. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enemy with God? I'll tell you, there's no worse time in your personal life when you've done something so contrary to your Christian belief, I've been there, and it just puts you at enemy. Oh, you just, ugh. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So those are oppositions to the seasons that we have in our life, just like what's going on here. So what does Israel do? What does Samuel do to learn to overcome this? Let's go back to our story in 1 Samuel 7. Let's read 8 and 9. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Now, what is the picture and the details the Bible gave us about this story? They all came together for a camp meeting for a time of purification to pray. Are they prepared for battle? No. Now remember, it's the Philistines who are the more advanced people, not the children of Israel. Sometimes in our, in our mind, we think it's opposite. They were close to the ocean. They were seafaring. They had metal. Their, their armament was better. It was Israel that were the ragtag group. That's the way, that's the way it was. More advanced technological group was the Philistines. Not only are they not prepared for battle and they didn't bring their armor or all their shields, maybe a few of them, not everyone's packing. What have they been doing all day? It's right little statement there in verse six. No unnecessary details in the Bible. They've been praying and fasting. They are physically spent. Come on, big strong men. You just feel like sometimes you can take the world Come on, let me tackle them. I can do it. Not this day. Not even their best, swiftest, and fastest strong. I'm going to tell you about young men. As long as you feed them, they can go hard and long all day. But you don't feed them for one day. They are in the fetal position on the floor. Huh? It is right. <laughs> They're not ready. They are completely 
outgunned and unprepared for the opposition that's coming at them. Good. Now they fall on their face and cry out to the representative of God. Samuel is a unique character in the Bible. And the first we see that is a priest, a prophet, and a judge. He's all three. He's the priest. He's the prophet of God and the last judge of Israel. This is the Christ type figure. Is he not our priest, prophet, and judge? This is why he's such a beautiful, clear Old Testament Christ type figure. So in this weak, broken state of fasting, they cry out to God. Verse 9. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now look at this picture. People of God, they're repenting. They're in a state of mourning and and humility. And all of a sudden, he grabs this little innocent white lamb. And the scene becomes very bloody before it becomes bloody. The first blood that spilled is not Israel's nor a man of the Philistines. It's a pure, spotless, baby, innocent lamb that that red blood flies everywhere. Then he cuts it to pieces. He offers it to the Lord. And oh, we see the cross, don't we? You know everything's about the cross. Number four in your notes. God only speaks through the blood. Oh, he speaks through the blood. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord God for Israel, and the Lord answered him. It doesn't matter how weak you feel. It doesn't matter what kind of day you had, what kind of life you had, if you've been in bondage for 20 years, if you've got asterisks and bells and everything else, there is blood. And that's what you do. Amen? You cry out for the blood, the blood of the Lamb. Watch how Jesus mirrored this in, in Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Just say how Samuel mirrored Jesus would be better. Verse fifty. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn, and two was torn in two from top heaven to bottom earth and to the earth. And the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Okay, think about that scene at the cross. Now let's go back in time to 1 Samuel. Verse 11. 1 Samuel 7, 11. Excuse me. 10. Now as, Samuel off, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. The thundering, the quaking is always because of the blood. And it overpowered all of the Philistines, just like it did on the cross also, all the enemies of the world Verse 12. Let's round home and finish this up here. 
Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mitzvah and Shin, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. To this point in my life, God has been faithful, and I will go forward in life based on God's faithfulness here. Now, this really matters because if you go back 20 years where they lost the Ark of the Covenant, it's at the exact same spot. In fact, if you look at 1 Samuel 4, when what happened was the children of Israel didn't know what to do. They were lost. They were confused. They thought a physical object could help them. So they take the Ark of the Covenant, even though the priest's not there and Samuel's not there, and Eli's not even involved in that. They take the Ark of the Covenant, and they think it's going to give them power against the Philistines, or it doesn't. They lose 4,000 men, and the Ark is taken. It was right here at this exact same spot. Now they're fast-forwarded 20 years later. And Eli and Samuel has this supernatural move of God here, and he says, okay, this spot is where your defeat happened. This spot is where your failure happened, and it's been sitting there for 20 years. You've been looking at it. You've been staring at it, and all your kids want to know what's going on there. And Samuel steps forward and said, right here is where you're going to start with the Lord. He's been faithful so far. Now you go forward. Lastly, on your notes, number five. God's past faithfulness supplies your present peace. Where do you start in a new season and how do you do it? You say, okay, Lord, you were faithful right here. I'm going to go forward in faithfulness, believing and trusting in you by faith because I saw what you did here. Find your stone wherever it was in your life. If you don't are full of confidence right now, you don't like the season you're in now, go find your Ebenezer stone and say, okay, Lord, I'll go forward because thus far from that point, you've been faithful. Let's stand up. All right, how many of you are five for five? Come on. Now. <laughs> Beautiful story, isn't it? Oh, it just, it's so rich. So, so much there. I feel like we, you barely scratch the surface. There's so much more. Like, oh, your word, Lord, let me just, let me just take it in. Let me just think about it. One last scripture as we get ready to close. So he sets up the stone. All of Israel's there. Say, I know you've known nothing but defeat for 20 years, but the blood's been spilled. And now it's going to be a sign of victory to you. This is uh, 1 Samuel 7, 13 and 14. We just kept reading. So the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. Ooh, that sounds like some salvation freedom right there. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Let me tell you who fought the battles for Israel and God's people. It wasn't God's people. It was the blood. It was the Lord God himself. He fights. He thunders. He wins the victory. If it was up to us, it would be too much. If it was up to you, couldn't do it. But it says he did it. 
he did it. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, all there was peace between Israel and the Amorites because he even makes his enemies to be at peace with you. That's such a picture of salvation, isn't it? Oh, because Samuel just proclaimed like we all should be proclaiming, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's just spend some time with that wonderful Savior. The one who spilled his blood. The one who brings us to the Father. The one who gives us, through him we have relationship and communion and are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let's just come to the Lord as a group. Let's come to the Lord just like God's people did in 1 Samuel 7. Lord, we do want to serve you only. No other gods before you. You alone are God. So Lord, anything we need to remove, speak to us, show us. We want to be free. For you die, the blood sets us free. So thank you that we're learning to live in that freedom. Lord, we come to you surrendering, just like your people did then, we are doing now. Surrendering to you, humbling ourselves, for you are close to the humble. 
Lord, we thank you that you're moving in our life and producing new seasons. And Lord, we know opposition may come. Oh, but there is blood spilled. You fight our battles for us. You're the one who makes seasons change. You are the God of the universe. You are our King and our Lord. So we hand it over to you. We know that you will overcome any opposition as we cry out to you through the blood. Lord, and we thank you for whatever we're going on and dealing with in life. We step forward in peace because we know that you have been faithful. Thus far, the Lord has been faithful. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. It is from day one until the last day we breathe our last breath. So thank you, Lord, that we go out today in peace because you have been so faithful. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your good seasons, Lord. Thank you for adjusting and turning us. And we thank you for all this. In the strong, mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Now praise the one who's worthy. The only one who's worthy. The only one. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.